All right, you can turn to Luke 7, 18-35. Uh, let me read Luke 7, 18-35. This is, um, so this is John the Baptist, and he's in prison, and he's hearing a whole bunch of stuff of what Jesus is doing, but he's got some questions. And so, um, and so he's going to, uh, he's going to send his questions to Jesus himself. So, John chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. The disciples of John reported all these things, these things that Jesus was doing, all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent to you, has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and living in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what, shall, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. All right, let's pray. God, we have a lot before us this morning. You have, you have packed a lot of good content into these verses by the inspiration of your Spirit through your servant Luke. We have, just, we have good stuff here in front of us. We pray, God, that you would help us, that you would teach us, that you would grow us in your grace, that you would, especially today, especially today, that you would, you would help us to be more and more patient as we, as we go through life. That you would help us to, you would help us to show how patient your Son is to us with the way that we are patient with others. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, Amen. We, um, we go through stressful times. We go through difficult situations. We, um, we, we, we go through um, 
physical pain, we go through emotional pain, we go through relational pain, uh, we go through financial pain, we go through difficult times. And all the while, the, the New Testament is calling us to be patient people. To be patient. And that doesn't just mean you're, you're kind of just, you know, waiting for it to get over, waiting for the end. Uh, it, 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 patience in the New Testament has to do with the way that you live. Not just waiting and saying, hey, it's, it is what it is, I'll just, it'll be over soon. Uh, patience in the New Testament means that we continue to be joyful, contented people. We, we, we continue to humbly serve the people in our lives. We, we, we continue to worship God and to magnify Him. Patience in the New Testament is, is this desire and this ability and this faithfulness to live um, good lives. Lives that honor God. Lives that, that love the brothers. Like, living good lives in spite of the trouble that we're going through. Because we're going to go through trouble. We're going to. And so sometimes we think of patience as, I'm just going to kind of put my head down and it'll be over soon. Whatever, you know. I'll die or this thing will die. or It'll be over soon. But that's not, that's not what the kind of patience God is calling us to. God wants us to be joyful and to love people in our lives and to continue to serve and to be a blessing. This passage here will help us. Because what it does is it shows us how, how Jesus is patient. We're going to first see Jesus, how, how Jesus shows his patience to struggling believers. And then we're going to see how Jesus shows his patience to stubborn unbelievers. And both of those things from this passage, they're going to help us as we try to live patiently in our own lives, as we try to be happy, as we try to be content, as we try to be joyful, as we try to continue to be humble and, and, and patient with each other and kind to each other. These, these, these two um, ways Jesus shows us his patience are going to help us. So let's look at both of them together. Number one, Jesus shows his patience to struggling believers. At the beginning of our passage, starting in um, verse 18, we see how um, we see how John the Baptist is struggling. Right? He is he is struggling. He is he has some questions. He because he's in prison, which that doesn't add up to him. That's not what he was expecting. He's in prison, right? And and he's in prison for being the person he was called to be. John the Baptist was called to preach repentance. John the Baptist was called to be a, a forerunner for Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was, he was the greatest of the prophets. We'll see in verse 28. He's the greatest of the prophets because he's the, he's the last of them. And he's the one who gets to say, the, not only is the Messiah coming, Messiah is here. He gets to open the door for Jesus and say, here he is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, now to understand though, why John is confused, why he's struggling with doubts. We have to go back, and I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 3, and you're going to hear how John describes Jesus. Listen to this. In, 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 John, or in Luke 3, 16, down through verse 20, John answered them all. John is talking about Jesus, and he says, he says I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
And listen to this, verse 17. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. Like, that's, that's John's idea of good news. Jesus is going to gather, he's going to gather those who repent of their sin, those who trust in him, he's going to gather them to himself. But the, but the ones who refuse, he's going to clear his threshing floor. He's going to burn with unquenchable fire. Jesus is going to bring judgment on those who do not trust in him, who do not follow him. John was a big, John was a big turn or burn guy. That's what he was. That's, that was John's message. John was like, you repent of your sins and you be baptized and you get ready because the Messiah has come and he's going to clean house. That's the way John preached. He is going to clean house. And then Jesus comes and he doesn't really clean house. He heals a lot of people. Right? He opens a lot of blind eyes. He opens a lot of deaf ears. He raises the dead a couple of times. He does some cool stuff. But John's like, that's, that's, that's not what I was thinking. It's good stuff, but that can't be the whole story. So this is John's problem. This is his problem. John has preached repentance, and John has gone so far as to preach repentance to, to King Herod. Now we use King Herod. King is, he was more of a, he was more of a, a Roman prop than he was uh, a king. But the Romans allowed him to call himself king. They gave him, um, you know, they gave him control over the over Judea, and they, they, he was sort of their prop. He was their puppet, and he called himself king. He had enough power to throw John in prison, and that's what he did. Because John, John told Herod that he needed to repent, and Herod's like, "Fine, you can take that message to the streets, but you're not coming in here with that." And John, and and John is tossed in prison. Herod tosses John in prison. So here's John, rotting away in prison. There's Jesus out there healing people. And John's like, what is going on? Where's the unquenchable fire? Where's it at? So he's got questions. He's got questions. I, I think this happens to a lot of us. I think this happens to a lot of us. We, we, are a little confused at the way Jesus is doing things. About what Jesus allows or what he doesn't allow. We get a little confused on the timing. John has, John has the stuff right. He's got the content right. He, he, he's right when, it, when he says Jesus is going to bring judgment. He's just quite a few years off. Jesus is going to bring judgment. It absolutely is going to happen. There is going to be severe punishment on those who do not trust in him as Savior. That's absolutely going to happen. It just is not going to happen as quick as John thought it should. John, John said, you know what would be great right now? Is you bring some judgment on Herod. That would be great right now. That would be nice. I'm a little confused as why that's not happening. And I love what Jesus does. Um, I love it. Uh, and um, I have a few things that are that are humorous to me in the Bible, and I want to know um, if at the time they were also humorous to Jesus or to Paul or to whoever said them. So, or it could be that I have a warped sense of humor. Um, and so I'm going to see which is, which is correct. Um, verse 22, Jesus answers, I love this, Jesus answers John's messengers, and he answered them, 
Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Because in that moment, like when they came and they were asking Jesus, um, Jesus just did a whole bunch of miracles. He healed a bunch of people. He, he, he healed a bunch of blind. He gave them back their sight. Um, he got rid of plagues and evil spirits. And he was just, I mean, he, he just did all this stuff. And then he says, go and tell John what you saw. Go and tell him what you've seen and heard. And then he says, and here's what you need to tell him. Jesus gives them their script. He says, go tell them the blind receive their sight the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Go tell John what you have seen, and then go tell him this is, what, this is what's happening. Now, all of those things in verse 22, those are all quotations from Isaiah. Those are all Messiah promises. Okay, so they're from different parts of Isaiah, and, and so basically Jesus is having John's disciples go back and, and, and quote Isaiah to him. And say, remember all the stuff that Isaiah said the Messiah was going to do? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. That's the point here. Now, what Jesus doesn't say though, because Isaiah 61.1, that's one of the things that Jesus quotes. Uh, the, the, the good news, have, the, the poor have the good news preached to them. That's from Isaiah 61.1. What what Jesus doesn't say is the rest of the verse, which says, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Uh, that's the one John wants. Right? John's like, that's great, Jesus. You're doing the blind, you're doing the deaf, you're getting rid of the, you're raising people from the dead, you're preaching the good news to the poor. That's great. Do the rest of it. The part where you get people out of prison. That's the one I want. That's the one you're not doing. What's going on? We do this, right? Jesus seems to be doing good stuff for the other people. Jesus seems to be taking his time on the stuff that we really care about. We have questions. We have questions, don't we? It's, it's funny because we know, we know that, that, that Jesus is the fullness of the wisdom of God. So he's the smartest person ever. And, and we know that he upholds the universe by the power of his hand. So we know he's the most powerful person ever. But we're still so often tempted to say, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know. This doesn't seem quite the way I would do it. Have you, are you, I, we doubt. We, we have questions. We have struggles. We have struggles. Jesus, in these verses, is so patient with John. He doesn't berate him. He doesn't mock him. He doesn't insult him. He doesn't get sarcastic with him. He doesn't get mean to him. He doesn't say, I can't believe you, John. He doesn't ignore him. He doesn't do any of this stuff. He's incredibly patient and kind with John. And he says, he says John, look, 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 look. I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling the, the, the messianic prophecies. I am. And, and no, I'm not going to do everything the way you think I should and not in the timing that you think I should. No, but, but I, I am. I am healing. I am raising the dead. I am preaching the good news to the poor. I am doing the Messiah stuff. I am the Messiah. I am the one. And then he makes John this wonderful promise. He says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He says, to, he says to John, just stick with me to the end. 
Just stick with me to the end and you will be blessed. I promise. Don't turn away from me. Don't give up on me and you will be promised. And you will be blessed. I, I promise, John. You can believe this. Thankfully, John took Jesus up on his promise and stayed faithful to the end, even though it meant um, that his, his head was rather rudely separated from his body. John stayed faithful to the end. And he's doing fine now. And, and one day, one day, the resurrection, John's body, which will then be glorified in his head, which will be glorified, will be reunited. It'll feel so good. Doubts come and go. You're not a horrible person if you find yourself wondering what Jesus is up to. You, you, even if those, those doubts come in the form of, can, can, can I really trust Jesus? Is he, is, is he really who he says he is? When those doubts come, and they do come sometimes, when those kind of questions come, and they do come sometimes, you ask yourself, you ask yourself, is Jesus doing what he has said he would do? Do we have, we ha- do we have scriptural proof? That's what we, that's what, that's what Jesus gave John, is scriptural proof. And then, and then do we also have just eyewitness proof? Have you seen Jesus do work in your own life, in the lives of people around you, in the lives of people around the world? Do you not have story after story after story of Jesus' kindness and power, His saving power? Don't you have story after story after story? And, And sure, are there some questions, are there some loose ends you'd like Him to tie up a little quicker than He is? Yes. But is He not the the fullness of the wisdom of God? Is He not is he not our only hope in life and death? Does he not uphold the universe by the word of his power? And has he not made the same wonderful promise to us? Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I encourage you this morning to believe that promise. And I promise you that along the way, when we do have our sort of... We, we, we get a little naive. We get a little short-sighted. We get a little frustrated. When, when we're finding it difficult to obey the Word of God joyfully, when we're finding it difficult to be content, we can remember how right now, how joyfully patient Jesus is with us. We see it, we see it showcased here with the way He cares for John. For the way He is patient with John. This is the way He is with us. I, um, I have a... I have an illustration for this, and it's the only illustration ever I've ever used or ever will use where I compare my eighth grade daughter Bethy to Jesus. So if you if you want an illustration where I compare Bethy to Jesus, this is it. You have to listen to this one because it's never going to happen again. The other day I pull into the driveway, and Bethy is she she's got her bike and she's she's she pulls into the driveway as well, and she has um she has uh, attached to her bike she has one of those strollers. Um, that you can you can stick a kid or two in, right, and then zip them up and then buckle them, you know, buckle them in, zip them up, and then you can take them for a ride on your bike, right? You see, whatever people do this, and I never will, but people do it. And so anyhow, um, and so Bethy was doing that, and and she 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 pulls up, and she's you know she's 
you can tell she's a little out of breath, and, and, uh, and she pulls, but she's got this smile on her face, and, and, and Silas hops out of the little carrier thing, and, and, and she's, she's pulled him, for, and, and he hops out. He goes, I did five miles! I was like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you, you did do five, I did, that is technically true, you did go five miles, and Bethy's got this smirk on her face, and she goes, because she wants to, she wants to do her bike like a hundred miles, she set this goal, and she, so she's, she's going to ride her bike a hundred miles over the next few weeks or whatever, and so, and she goes, if, if Silas goes with me, I'm going to give him ice cream. If he, he does the hundred miles with me, I'm going to give him ice cream. I was like, that is, that is Jesus and us. That is Jesus and us. I mean, and it, it, we know it now, but it's going to be crystal clear in eternity. Paul, Paul, says, Paul says, when he's talking about sanctification, when he's talking about following Jesus, when he's talking about living holy lives, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He goes, pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. And then he says in verse 13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So yes, we are pursuing holiness, and it feels like we're doing something. We hop out of that stroll and we're like, yeah, I did five miles, you know? It feels like we're doing something. We feel tired and we feel like, whoa. But then, then we realize God is the one who's doing this. He's the one who's giving us all of the strength. He's even the one who's giving us the will to do this. Even the desire to follow him comes from him. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. I was in the stroller. Jesus is doing the pedaling. Jesus shows His patience to struggling believers. He because I'm sure there were times when Silas was talking about how he wished the weather was a little bit different or how he wished Bethy would miss certain bumps that she hit or, or you know, how he thought this would get wrapped up a little quicker than it did. Um, it's tough. It's tough riding back there. Bethy smiles. She smirks. She's patient. She says, buddy, it's almost over. You do this, you get some ice cream. This is us and Jesus, my friends. And along the way, he is so patient with us. Jesus shows his patience to to struggling believers. And this helps us to be patient, to be joyful, to continue to, to, to be faithful and humble and serve our brothers and honor our Father. Obey the Word of God. It helps us. So then, number two, Not only does he show his patience to struggling believers, but he shows his patience to stubborn unbelievers. Number two, he shows his patience to stubborn unbelievers. Verses 24 through 35. So now John's messengers, they leave. They're out of there. And so what Jesus wants to do is he wants to make it crystal clear that John's ministry is 100% legit. That even though John had a little bit of trouble in prison, I think we, he's, he's a little bit like, even though John is locked up in prison, and even though he's wondering what's going on on the outside, even though John is, is he's, having, he's having a moment, even though that's happening, Jesus wants to make sure that everybody understands just who John the Baptist is. And just how vital his message is. 
Jesus, when, the, when, when, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning, what, John, what did you go out to the, to the wilderness to see? It was, the, it was a prophet. You didn't go out there to see a man dressed in soft clothing or, or a man living in luxury. You went out there to see a prophet. And he, and he said, that's exactly who you saw. Not only did you see a prophet, but you saw the forerunner, the messenger before my very face, the one introducing me to the world. You saw the forerunner. Verse 28, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. And then in the craziest way to follow up that sentence, he says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. So how how can both of those be true? What does that even mean? What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, he's saying John is the greatest of the prophets. He's the greatest of the prophets. But... Those who come and live after Him, those who get to enjoy the fullness of salvation, those who get to know what the, the, the whole Gospel, the, the cross and the, and the resurrection and the ascension and, and Jesus' intercession and, and Jesus giving us the, the Spirit and Jesus sanctifying us and, and Jesus, is, Jesus preparing a home for us in eternity. Those people who get the fullness of the kingdom, they have it better than John did. John doesn't get any of that stuff. He's going to get his head lopped off before any of the good stuff happens. He doesn't enjoy, he doesn't get to enjoy the fruit of his labor in any way. So he's the greatest of the servants, but he is the least privileged. Because the the people who come after him, they're, they're, they're going to get the kingdom of God in this full way that, that John could only prophesy about. John could only say, it's coming. Now, of course, John the Baptist is just as saved as you and I are. But he didn't, he didn't get... Like the, the, do you understand that those of us who are living in this age of, of having the, the Spirit of God within us, of having the full Word of God, of understanding the, the Gospel, of, of, of knowing that Jesus' plan to come back and to, and to bring us to Himself, do you understand that we have what John and his contemporaries didn't have? We have the whole story. So even the least of us have it better than he did. And, and the people are starting to get this. Verse 29, when all the people heard this, now the people there are just like the common, regular people. Not the Pharisees, not the lawyers, not the scribes. They're, they're just the people. Just the regular dudes. When they, when they heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, which means they believed that God was right, that, that, that this is what God said. They declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John, which means they repented of their sins. They they said, yes, I am a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I need the mercy of God. But, verse 30, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves. They didn't want to come clean with their sin. They didn't want to admit that they needed the mercy of God, not having been baptized by by him. John said, you need to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. And the common people says, yes, we need to repent. The Pharisee says, I don't have anything to repent of. I'm fine the way I am. I don't need the mercy of God. This is where Jesus shows his remarkable patience to stubborn unbelievers. Because yes, there are people, there are the common people and the tax collectors who get it and they joyfully enter the kingdom of God. They, they repent of their sins and say, yes, we need Jesus. We need the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. Yes, we want in. And they, and, and they actually, they have the fullness of the, the kingdom of God. They're, they're brought all the way in. It's amazing. 
but these uh, Pharisees, they're like, they're like petulant, spoiled, brat children. That's what Jesus compares them to. Verse 31, To what shall I compare the people of this generation? And this generation, it just means the people who refuse to trust in Him. The people who refuse to follow Him. The people who refuse to repent of their sins. He says, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. And we played the flute for you and you did not dance. So they, they didn't want a happy song. And then we sang a dirge and you did not weep. They didn't want a sad song either. They didn't want anything. Have you ever known a, ch- a child you try to talk them into enjoying life? Like you have all of these toys. You have all this stuff. You go outside and play. You have all this you could do. Me, me, me. My children are not like that, but I know some of you have had children like that. Um, where they have essentially the world at their fingertips. And nee, nee. I'd rather just follow you around and complain. All right, cool. Do that. I don't care. Whatever. He says in verse 33, John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine and you say he has a demon. He's just, I mean, he's, he's far too conservative. What kind of person doesn't eat bread or drink wine? There's something wrong with this dude. He's deranged. He must have a demon. And then the Son of Man has come, eating and drinking. So the opposite of John, Jesus ate and drank with, with sinners and tax collectors. And then you say, look at him! A glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They don't, they didn't, it, it wasn't the style. It wasn't John's, it wasn't the way the truth was packaged with John or with Jesus. It was the truth itself. They didn't want to hear that they needed to repent. They didn't like that. It didn't matter which way you packaged it. It didn't matter the way you said it. They didn't want to hear the truth. They didn't want to think of themselves as people who needed to repent of their sins. It didn't matter how you say it. They weren't going to like it no matter what. And yet, here is the, here is the patience of Jesus. Verse 35, he says, Yet, wisdom is justified by all her children. Wisdom is justified by all her children. Jesus is, Jesus is saying, and because he, he knows these numbskulls. He has their number. He knows what they're doing. He knows what they're doing. He's, they're, he's, it's not like they're fooling him. He's looking right at them and he says, I, I, I know what's going on here, guys. And he could, have, he could have done probably what John was thinking he would do and brought fiery judgment right then. He could have. He could have. Because he knew who he was dealing with. But instead, he was patient with them. And that patience with these Pharisees, that refusal to just blast them, took Jesus all the way to the cross, didn't it? And if you think about it, Jesus is in this moment, right now, the year 2021, extending that kind of patience why? Because he knows that wisdom is justified by all her children. Which is just an old proverb that means one day you're going to know the truth. One day the wisdom of salvation, God's, God's wisdom to us, the person of Jesus Christ, one day the wisdom of Jesus Christ is going to be justified by all her children. So, in one way that means every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. Everyone is going to believe. Of course, for many people, it will be far too late. They will, they will simply acknowledge the truth on their way to punishment. 
And then for, for many others, thankfully, by God's grace, we will, we will say in worship and in reverence and in love that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Wisdom will be justified. But until then, Jesus is saying, until then, you're going to see you're going to see wisdom justified here or there in, in, in her children right now. Like, you people, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you right now are justifying wisdom. You are showing the rightness of, of, God's, of God's promise of salvation through Jesus Christ because your lives are being changed. The truth is going to set you free and it's going to change you and you will be living proof that the Gospel is true. See, Jesus is remarkably patient with his enemies right now, just like he was in the days of John the Baptist, because he is still doing the work of of changing petulant, spoiled brats into children of wisdom. Because that's the only kind of people he has to work with. Do you understand that that's who we are? If Jesus is only going to work with people who, who, you know, like are, are worthy of his love, who don't act like spoiled brats, then he doesn't have anybody to work with. First Timothy, I think we all will gladly echo Paul's words here in First Timothy where he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And we can say, no, 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 Paul, you may be the worst sinner you know, but I am the worst sinner I know. Verse 16, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. We were like these spoiled brats. We don't don't like John because he didn't eat eat or drink. What's wrong with that? What's up with that? He's crazy. Oh, we don't like Jesus. He eats and drinks too much and he eats and drinks with the wrong people. That's no good either. No, we just don't like the truth. We didn't want the truth. We didn't want to fess up and say, no, our, oh, we, we, we deserve hell for our sins and our only, our only hope is the cross of Jesus Christ. We didn't want to say that. And Jesus, in His long-suffering patience, won us over. Graciously, kindly, won us over. It is grace that has led us to repentance. This is what Jesus is doing now. And this helps us. And I'm going to tell you how. This helps us right now to to be patient, to be calm, to be kind, to be humble, to be joyful as we suffer right now. If we're going through difficult times, and you probably are, if you go through difficult times with difficult people, this will help you to not live in anxiety or in apathy it won't, it'll help you not to live in fear. It, this will help you to just faithfully, humbly, day by day, extend kindness, serve one another, honor God. This will help you. Because what we have to put together here is that, is that Jesus... Right now, the, the reason he hasn't cleaned up all your problems, the reason that he hasn't wiped away every tear from every eye right now, is the same reason, 
is the same reason that he didn't spring John from prison right then and, and bring down fire on all the enemies right then because Jesus is being patient with unbelievers. Do you understand that, that that day that we long for, John in the book of Revelation said, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's absolutely a great prayer for us to pray. But we have to understand that when we pray, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Make all things new. Make all things right. Do you understand that for the unbeliever, that means the end? That means that, that, means that Jesus' patience with the unbelievers is over. It's done. In order for your life to be made completely right, for, in order for you to know complete justice, and, and for, in order for, for every tear to be wiped away from every eye, it, it means that Jesus has eliminated sin. And what it means is that he has also he has also sent all sinners to their permanent punishment. If Jesus hasn't brought things to an end, if Jesus hasn't yet judged the living and the dead, it means that he is still patiently calling, bringing sinners to repentance. And let's be glad he is because that's the only way we're here today. And so that helps us to have perspective and to realize, no, no Jesus has good, he's, he's got a good time schedule. He's, he's doing good stuff. And, 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 and in order for him to be patient with sinners, it means we're going to have to be patient with the effects of sin. We're going to we're, we're gonna have to just live joyfully, contentedly, knowing that Jesus has this. Knowing that in his own time, he's going to make all things right. And until then, until then, he is patiently calling sinners to repentance. So let's patiently endure the difficulties in our lives. Let's obey the Word of God. Let's love the people in our lives. Let's make disciples. Let's serve each other in humility. Let's, let's honor God above all else. And then one day we're going to hop out of the stroller and we're going to say, I did five miles. And Jesus said, good job, buddy. He is, he is incredibly patient with us. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for the way that You continue to work in us, and we thank you for the way that your Son just over and over and over demonstrates, demonstrates his patience to us, shows us his kindness. He doesn't mock us. He doesn't berate us. He doesn't hang us out to dry. He is kind to us. He fields our questions. He continues to show himself strong. He is merciful. He sticks with us. He sticks up for us. We are thankful for your son, and we are thankful that you are, even though we would like everything wrapped up nicely, and we'd like to be in eternity, we, and we'd like Jesus to come back now, we are thankful that you are continuing to, to build your church. We pray that you would use us to do that. Use us towards that end. And help us, God, to, to live in patience, like our dear Savior. We thank you for him. It, it's in his name we pray. Amen.